two things that will still be around after the nuclear apocalypse. Cockroaches and spreadsheets. Hi everybody, I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Isn't that how it seems? When it comes to demand planning, companies have so many state-of-the-art IT applications from which to choose. A lot of them are even up and running, whether as standalone apps or part of larger enterprise resource planning suites. But if you dig down far enough, and you don't have to dig that far, you're still likely to find an organization that's ruled by the almighty spreadsheet. Many demand planning processes are still manual. They don't allow for multiple planning scenarios and what-if evaluations for responding to changing market conditions. Corinne Bursa, Vice President of Marketing with Logility, is here to set us straight on what you should be doing to automate your demand planning effort, to get out of the firefighting mode and into proactive management of your markets. So here is my conversation with Corinne Bursa. Corinne Bursa, welcome to the program. Hey, Bob, it's great to be here with you today. So what's the deal here? Are you trying to wrest spreadsheets from our cold, dead hands? <laughs> I'm not sure it's possible, Bob. Um, <laughs> spreadsheets continue to be the application of choice by supply chain and logistics companies. And you know what? It doesn't matter if they're large or small. Um, I was shocked to see just how prevalent the use of spreadsheets are. We did a, a recent survey with Logility and Apex, and we found that 47% of the 860 respondents were still using spreadsheets to support their demand planning process. 47%. It's just hard for me to believe in today's, in today's environment with the technology that's available. Well, it's funny because anecdotally that makes sense to me because I'll talk to companies all the time about their incredibly sophisticated IT, and then at some point in the conversation they will have to bashfully admit that, yeah, they still use spreadsheets. So uh, it's it's pretty amazing. Um, what, is the, what is the problem? I mean, why are spreadsheets – why are they sticking around? Well, I, I think that there are a lot of short-term advantages to spreadsheets, um, low-cost – ease of use. Um, they're universally available. Most people have some pretty good basic skills when it comes to using spreadsheets. And, um, you know, the real challenge is it makes them feel like they have a solid footing. Um, but when you look at so low cost, you might say ease of use, you might say availability, but um, there's some pretty, pretty um, concerning research out there that really indicates that spreadsheets could be sabotaging your supply chain. Oh, interesting word to use. I suspect that one of the things they might do is encourage silo behavior with each discipline or each department having its own set of spreadsheets. Do you see that as a possibility? 
Oh, Bob, you're spot on there. When when it comes to trying to integrate and have a comprehensive plan, it's really difficult with spreadsheets. It takes a, a lot of effort to manually bring that data together to get a, a, a clear picture of what your end-to-end supply chain looks like. Um, but there's a lot of research. You know, probably the most um, the most well-known research is out of the University of Hawaii and is commonly referred to as a PANCO study. And this study tells us that 20 to 40% of all spreadsheets contain errors. 20 to 40% of all spreadsheets. I mean, it's remarkable. And there have been other studies that go as high as 90%. So it doesn't leave much room for, um, for claiming that yours is working and is 100% solid. Uh, and we've got a number of examples of Legility customers that moved away from spreadsheets and and um, were really surprised at some of the errors they found as they stepped away from a spreadsheet-driven process. Well, I would imagine that one of the reasons for that is simply that so much of the data is inputted manually. I mean, they, you just imagine someone sitting there at a keyboard just tapping away, copying a, a bunch of numbers and sticking them in that way, and of course you're going to have mistakes then, right? Oh, absolutely. The old cut and paste method can can really be problematic, um, whether you're cut and pasting data or um, calculations, right? Um, I've got a story of of one very well-respected apparel and footwear customer who was running their business on 450 interconnected spreadsheets. And (laughs) I mean, think about that. And a global business serving customers in 150 countries around the world and guiding their entire supply chain planning process with 450 spreadsheets. And every one of them was absolutely vital to the operation, right? Absolutely. Um, (laughs) I, I mean, it's critical information. That was their tool of choice, or that's the direction that they they felt they had available to them uh, to really model their business. And um, thankfully, um, you know, they've seen that there there are a lot of other options out there. But, um, you know, they've got story after story about, you know, missing the demand for a new product launch because their spreadsheet didn't calculate correctly. Um, So one error can really be detrimental uh, when you're looking at an interconnected global supply network like that. I suspect that each department customizes their spreadsheets for their own needs, too, so that you probably can't even compare apples and apples when you, try to, when you do try to uh, send a spreadsheet from one discipline to another. You know, Bob, it's really difficult to have a standard process, what you're saying. You know, it's really difficult to enforce that when you've got so many key business functions um, being planned in spreadsheets. Um, Mm -hmm. You get some unreliable information. It's hard to make decisions that span timeframes. It's hard to reconcile uh, demand and supply with your inventory policies. Uh, you really end up hindering your business and, and the ability to make the best possible decisions. Yeah. So companies will buy a lot of sophisticated technology, but they'll still have the spreadsheets lying around. I guess, is that just sort of legacy thinking or just difficult difficult to change one's whole way of thinking, I guess, huh? Well, I'm sure that's part of it. But I think it's a challenge for solution providers like us as well, um, that we need to make our solutions very intuitive and and easy to understand, very visual to help guide those planners through the process. 
Um, it's only by doing value-added activity or, or value-added capabilities or better visibility of their business um, that those users are going to give up the spreadsheets. Yeah. I guess you have to start with that narrative. I guess you have to state it in pretty strong terms. You've got to tell these companies that they are, as you put it, sabotaging their supply chains. Does that message work? You know, I think it does. It was interesting. I was uh, at the Apex conference just, just a month or so ago and happened to use that term, sabotaging your supply chain. And you should have heard the nervous chuckles that were coming out of the audience. I, and there were a lot of heads nodding and a lot of chuckles, and um, it looked like um, many, many businesses can identify with those challenges. A lot of self-recognition, as you say. So they understand the problem. They know that they shouldn't be doing this. They know it's bad, and yet they continue anyway for whatever reason, I guess. Absolutely. It's, it's like you said, how do, we, how do we pull those spreadsheets out of the hands of the users? Because they are familiar um, but, you know, it's hard to establish a repeatable, comprehensive process when it's a connection of hundreds of spreadsheets. Yeah. You said also that I think out of that 47 percent, there was another 37 percent that relied on their ERP systems, on their enterprise resource planning systems, right? Yeah, absolutely. So 37 uh, percent responded to that survey question saying that they were using their ERP systems. The interesting thing there is that many of those um, respondents were also using spreadsheets. So they would export <laughs> data from their ERP system, they would massage it and work it through some spreadsheets, and then they would feed it back into their ERP system because they didn't feel they had the flexibility they needed. What surprised me most was that only 16% of those respondents are using a best-of-breed um, supply chain planning solution. So these applications, like Logility in the marketplace, that are built around uh, planning multiple scenarios, giving you those what-if capabilities, helping you visualize um, what your future needs are for product and market opportunity, only 16% responded that that's what they're using today. That spells plenty of opportunity in the market to, to really improve supply chain performance. But the ERP people, they're saying, hey, we use automation. What's the problem? Yeah, I, I understand. And they do. And, you know, ERP, um, most ERP applications are well designed for um, fast transaction processing. They haven't necessarily been architected to do multiple planning scenarios and to present a user interface that allows you to evaluate the impact of those scenarios. What if demand increases by 5%? What if we accelerate our new product introduction? We need to understand the impact of those business decisions on our ability to supply and distribute goods to the marketplace. Okay, before we get into more detail about the solution to this problem, I, I just want to delve a little bit more into the nature of the problem itself, and that is specifically the, the specific barriers that exist to breaking through what I believe you have referred to as spreadsheet gridlock. As a solution provider and as the companies that are your customers think, think in these terms, what are the ways that you break through those barriers? Well, I, I think a big part of breaking through the barriers is really understanding these limitations, understanding the fact that you need both the structure and the flexibility um, to 
plan your business. So spreadsheets do offer a tremendous amount of flexibility. They do not offer structure that can be replicated from one planner to another planner. Um, you also need the ability to plan across the life cycle of your product portfolio. So not all products behave the same. You certainly have your fast movers and your slow movers, but you also have the stage of the life cycle of those products. Are they newly introduced? Are they cash cows in the marketplace? Are they moving into a, re a retirement stage um, from your product portfolio? Because they'll behave very differently um, depending upon where they are. And those life cycle stages could be different depending upon the market that's being served. So uh, a cash cow in North America may be a new product introduction in Latin America. Um, it really depends on the um, attributes of your business at any given point in time. You know, there's, there's also measurement and capabilities there with regard to um, how a plan executes and understanding what the documented scenarios were that you were um, responding to at any given point in time. Because, as you know, planning is really a collaborative process. Yeah. What is happening out there in the world that makes it necessary to move now on this, to dump the spreadsheets and go to a more sophisticated level of automation demand planning? Well, I think, um, Bob, as you and the supply chain brain team have mentioned so many times, we are in a global marketplace. So whether you're selling and distributing your products to markets or whether you're sourcing and manufacturing your, process, your products around the world, um, you really have to, to be able to effectively weigh the working capital investment in inventory with the risks associated with holding too much or too little inventory. Um, and I think there's tremendous pressure. I think we live today in an environment that has more demand volatility, more supplier variability, and we need to do everything we can to put the best plan forward for the business and take into consideration all of those variables and how we serve the market well. Yeah. Does a more sophisticated approach require a different kind of demand planner, a person with different skills? And if so, maybe that's part of the fear of companies kind of moving ahead with this. You know, Bob, that's a great point. I was just on, on the phone with a, a global provider in the mobile phone uh, sector, and they were telling me that not only have they upgraded their application approach, their collaborative planning approach, you know, using Legility, but they've really sought investment in training for their team members. So they've gone to the Institute of Business Forecasting uh, to get a number of their planners certified as, as um, forecasters. They've reached out to APEX and sought the CSCP certification for several of their supply planners. So I think there's a real education opportunity as well. And some of these things have been backburnered given the dynamic economy that we've been in. Yeah. Does this change the length of the planning horizon that a company can deal with in, 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 in planning? Absolutely. I think that moving away from spreadsheets give you the opportunity to have a longer planning horizon, to get beyond those tactical time periods, whether that's six or 12 months, and start stretching out your planning horizons to represent that 18, 24, even 36-month horizon so that you can work more effectively with your suppliers, 
and do better market planning for, um, for your product needs and distribution as well. Um, that visibility will just change your business. Do the new systems also allow you to come in with a shorter horizon to the extent that, that uh, the planning aspect can become an execution or a tactical tool at the same time when you get down to less, you know, to more frequent than monthly, maybe weekly or even daily kinds of uh, reviews of what's going on? Absolutely. I, I think the fact that it's all connected, that your strategic, your operational, your tactical plan is all together in one comprehensive um, database, it allows you to dive in and look at different horizons. And, and we refer to this quite often as telescoping period. So the further out I get, it may be less granular. I may want to dive into less detail, but I need a feel for what the business flow is going to look like. But in those short-term horizons, Bob, I want to know what product, what place, what customer, what day of delivery, what time of delivery, and be able to really track the performance um, of the business. With all this talk today of SNOP, sales and operations planning, is it even possible to have an effective SNOP program without current technology? I don't think so, Bob. I think you really have to uh, up your game if you're going to be successful with sales and operation planning. You've got to have um, an application set that allows you to, mo to model multiple business scenarios. You need to be able to do the what-if evaluation um, because, you know, the goal with sales and operations planning is not that very tactical horizon of three months. It's to get you out of that firefighting uh, activity and in, into the proactive management of your business and guiding it and looking at demand in the future. And if that demand is not coming through, you want the opportunity to shape demand in the marketplace, to, to pull the levers that you can from a marketing perspective or a pricing perspective uh, to help move your products into the market and, you know, take more market share. Yeah, but it's not a standalone solution, is it? I mean, an effective demand planning system really requires collaborating down the stream with those customers to the point of getting point-of-sale data and historical information and then upstream to suppliers. Is that not essential to an effective demand planning system today? Bob, you're spot on once again. The, the fact that uh, you need to be able to model multiple demand signals, so whether that's leveraging your history um, as an indicator of future demand in the market, uh, if you're in a, a consumer-oriented marketplace, the ability to pull that POS, that point-of-sale data as a demand signal, um, is really valuable. And in addition to take that and share that forward visibility with your suppliers so they can better align and serve you more effectively – um, th these are game changers. These are things that will change the type of relationship you have, both with your customers as well as with your suppliers. And it's going to help you replace inventory in your network with much less expensive information about your network. A and that's going to change profitability for your business. It's going to give you the agility to, um, to look at new market opportunities. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about the, the whole idea of what-if scenario planning. I mean, we hear this all the time, but I wonder, how detailed is it? Is it almost like playing like a kind of a game where you follow out a scenario to its logical, extensive uh, conclusion? Or, or how, and how many of these different scenarios are you balancing at one time? Just talk a little bit more about that. 
Yeah, I think um, most companies need the ability to model multiple scenarios, and they need to model it um, in each application area, or not application area, in each functional area of their business, meaning what if demand comes in at X, or what if it comes in at X plus 10%, or X minus 10%. How is that going to affect the amount of inventory we need and where that inventory is positioned to serve the market well? Um, so that's, that's looking in a forward view of unconstrained demand. Um, from there, what you typically do is start constraining your ability to respond to that demand or satisfy that demand. So what can I produce or source in what period of time? And where do I need to hold that inventory for the best service or perhaps the most cost-effective model for my business? And, and then, you know, a variety of variables that come into play. What we find is with the sales and operations planning process and being able to visualize that is that we are serving companies that can now see that they have available capacity and they need to incent their sales force to go out there and sell that available capacity. And what I mean by that is the products that can be produced in those asset intensive manufacturing environments, because I'm going to make something and I'd rather make a product that has actual customer demand against it than something that I'm going to store from an inventory perspective. Realistically, Corinne, we'll probably, we could talk about this again in six months or a year or two years, and probably there would still be spreadsheets around. However, do you see some progress? Do you see companies finally waking up to the need to kind of get rid of the legacy approach and, and, and take a different approach to their demand planning? I do. Um, and most of the time, I think they come to the realization in one of two ways. One, they either realize that these spreadsheets are hindering their growth opportunities. Um, that's probably the best case scenario. The other scenario that we hear quite frequently is that because they're spreadsheet-driven, they have a big shortfall or a big miss in the marketplace because their planning was hindered because they have errors in their supply chain. And they weren't aware of them until they began executing in the marketplace. So you either view it as an opportunity to improve and a foundation for growth in the future, or you're fixing some problems that have happened in the past and trying to set your business up on a much more solid platform uh, for growth and sustainability over time. But, you know, we're seeing companies that are slashing their sales and operations planning effort by 50%. I mean, they're freeing their team up. They're moving away from a six-week process to being able to execute a full, robust sales and operations planning process in three weeks. Um, that's going to change how, how they can attack the market and take advantage of new opportunities and work with their suppliers. And when they're doing that, they're also seeing opportunities for double-digit inventory reduction. Um, so, you know, better service, less inventory, most companies, that equates to better profitability. Okay, so we came not to praise spreadsheets. We came to bury them. And I guess maybe <laughs> we made a little bit of progress today. Corinne Bursa, thank you so much for being with us. Bob, it's always great to talk to you. Well, that was Corinne Bursa of Logility. Thank you for listening. I'm Bob Bowman, Managing Editor of Supply Chain Brain. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com. 
where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch over 1,000 videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. See you next time.